Chapter 36 of Pieces of Hate and Other Enthusiasms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. Pieces of Hate and Other Enthusiasms by Haywood Brune. 36 one touch of slapstick the duchess in claire de lune implored her gentleman friend to speak to her roughly using hedge and high-road talk theatrical managers have now come to realize that many of us who may never hope to be duchesses are still swayed by this back-to-the-soil movement the humor of musical comedy grows more robust as the season wanes. It is broader, thicker, and, to my mind, funnier. Comedy, like Antaeus, must keep at least a tiptoe on the earth. When the spirit of fun begins to sicken, it is time that he should be hit severely with a bladder. Having been knocked down, he will rise refreshed all of which is preliminary to the expression of the opinion that jim barton now playing at the century is the funniest clown who has appeared in new york this season mr barton was discovered in a burlesque show by some astute theatrical scout several seasons ago burlesque was several rungs higher in the ladder than his starting point for his career included appearances in carnivals and the little shows which ply up and down some of the rivers giving nightly performances on their boat whenever there is a cluster of light big enough to indicate a village jim barton has been trained therefore in capturing the interest and attention of primitive and unsophisticated theater-goers this training has encouraged him in zest and violence it has impressed upon him the conception that the fundamental appeal to all sorts of people and all sorts of intelligences is rhythm when in doubt dance is his motto primarily he developed his dancing as something which should make people laugh it was and is full of stunts and grotesque movements and surprising turns but it has not remained just funny consciously or unconsciously he knows just as charlie chaplin knows that funny things must be savored with something else to capture interest completely and when you watch the antics of barton and laugh there comes unexpectedly every now and then a sudden tightening of the emotions as you realize that some particular pose or movement is not funny at all but a gorgeously beautiful picture for instance when barton begins his skating dance the first reaction is one of amusement. 
there is a recognizable burlesque of the traditional stunts of the man on ice but that is lost presently in the further realization that the thing is amazingly skillful and graceful again he follows a spanish dancer with castanets and seems to depend upon nothing more than the easy laugh accorded to the imitator but as he goes on it isn't just a burlesque he has captured the whole spirit and rhythm of the dance there is perhaps something of hypocrisy and swank in taking the performance of barton and seeming to imply of course i like this man because i see all sorts of things in his work that his old burlesque audiences never recognized it is dishonest too because as a matter of fact i like exactly the same things which won his audiences in the old columbia circuit i have never been able to steel myself against the moment in which the comedian steps up behind the stout lady and slaps her resoundingly between the shoulder-blades. Jim Barton is particularly good because he hits louder and harder than any other comedian I ever saw. But even for this liking, a defense is possible. The influx of burlesque methods ought to have a thoroughly cleansing influence in American musical comedy more refined entertainment has often been unpleasantly salacious not because it was daring but because it was cowardly familiar stories of the smoking car and the bar-room have been brought into broadway theatres often enough but in disguised form they have minced into the theatre the appeal created by this form of humour has been never to the honest laugh but to the smirk if i were a censor i think i would allow a performer to say or do almost anything in the theatre if only he did it frankly and openly the blue pencil ought to be used only against furtive things you may not like smut but it is never half so objectionable as shamefacedness. The best tonic I can think of for the hang-dog school of musical comedy to which we have fast been drifting is the immediate importation to Broadway of fifty comedians exactly like Jim Barton. Of course, the only trouble is that the scouts would probably turn up with the report that there was not even one. Still, rumor is going about of at least one other. I am reliably informed that Bobby Clark of Peekaboo is one of the funniest men of the year. Unfortunately, I am not in a position to make a first-hand report, because on the night his show opened at the Columbia, I was watching mixed marriage break into another theater or attending a revival of john ferguson or something like that accordingly i miss the scene in which bobby clark tries to put his head into the lion's mouth clark must be a good comedian
because he sounds funny even when you get him at second or third hand in the form, quote, and then you see he says, you do it fine, you even smell like a lion, take off the head now and we'll get along, end quote. As it has been explained to me, Clark and the other comedian are hired by a circus because the trained lion has suddenly become too ill to perform. Clark's partner is to put on a lion's skin and pretend to be a lion, while Clark goes through the usual stunts of the trainer, including the feat of putting his head into the lion's mouth. At the last minute, the lion recovers and is wheeled out onto the stage in a big cage. Clark believes the animal is his partner in disguise and compliments him warmly on the manner in which he roars. Finally, however, he becomes irritated when there is no response except a roar to his request, take off the head now and come on. After a second roar, Clark remarks with no little pique, come on now, cut it out. You're not so good as all that. What happens after that, I don't know, because the people who have been to the Columbia Theater always leave you in doubt as to whether Clark actually goes into the lion's den or not. Presumably not, because later in the show, according to these reports, there is a drill by the world's worst zoaves in which Clark, as the chief Zouave, whistles continually for new formations only to have nothing happen. Whether Clark is the originator of the material about the lion and the rest, or only the executor, I am not prepared to say. All the scouts talk as if he made it up as he went along, and whenever a comedian can bring about that state of mind, there need be no doubt of his ability. End of chapter 36 Recording by Bill Mosley, Milano, Texas, USA